Hello, folks, and welcome to Whitfield. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, recording at NGC Studios, and I want to thank you so much for joining me here today, tonight, wherever you are. And I also want to give a special shout out to the folks who are watching this live stream on Periscope. I'm so sorry that they had to sit through and watch me uh, tinker with all of the audio. Um, It's unfortunate for them that they had to sit through that. Uh, But we had some technical difficulties. And I'm very thankful to uh, Trucks, my one live viewer here on Periscope, for uh, sitting through and watching me basically do all my technical stuff. So I really appreciate that. Folks, it is the end of the year, and um, I'm recording this on December 31st, 2016. And I say that because some of you might be listening to this in... 2017, but if you are fortunate enough to listen to it on December 31st, this is just my uh, wrap-up end-of-the-year podcast episode. Now, this podcast that I've been doing for tapewrite.com is, as many of you know, kind of my personal journal and my personal uh, podcast. But for several years now, while hosting the Whitfield Analysis, my primary podcast, I've always done an end-of-the-year show, which doesn't really focus on politics at all. It kind of covers it a little bit, but I mainly talk about my highlights or uh, struggles of the year, whichever. And, uh, you know, I I always present myself and what I want to do in the new year. And um, so this isn't really going to be any different. As I said before, I know that uh, 2016 was a turbulent year for uh, many. I said that in the last episode. But I want to uh, cover some things in this podcast, since this is more of my personal podcast as opposed to just a political commentary one. So we're going to go ahead and do that, and I hope you guys have a good time uh, listening. So the main thing I want to focus on today, ladies and gentlemen, is I want to focus on this whole notion that's been popping up on Facebook that 2016 is somehow the worst year we've ever had. This is a notion that's been flying around on Facebook for uh, months and months and months now. And honestly, folks, it's a little bit of an overblown statement. Honestly. I know that for many people, 2016 was uh, certainly a uh, different year, certainly a unique year. But 
honestly, all these people who are going on Facebook and suddenly saying, oh, well, 2016 is the worst year ever. They say it so dramatically. I don't think it's true at all. I think a large portion that it was, you know, people who are either obsessed with all the celebrity deaths that happened in 2016, or they're upset about the election results. They're upset that Donald Trump won the U.S. election. And I'll cover those two things here in a bit, but I want to give you some perspective on where I'm coming from because I personally don't think 2016 was all that bad of a year, and I will explain why. For me personally, 2016 was actually a pretty good year. Uh, This year, I turned 21 in January. I had my best friend uh, flown down for my birthday. Uh, This friend of mine, Luke, he and I have been best friends since kindergarten. We've known each other since we were five years old. So it was really special for... Uh, him to be able to fly out from Colorado all the way, I mean, all the way here to Florida to uh, celebrate my 21st birthday. We uh, we went out to a pub and uh, drank Guinness together. My grandparents were there. My uh, uncle on my mom's side was also there. And uh, it was a great gathering with uh, a bunch of close family friends, and we had a great time. So that was one highlight of my year. Um, Another highlight was I met another great guy. I made a couple new friends this year in 2016. Um, I made friends with this guy out here in Florida by the name of uh, Brandon Follis, who is a big fan of my uh, podcast. And he and I uh, met because his dad uh, does business with my mother. And he and his dad uh, just moved to Florida not even a full year ago. And so... My mom introduced uh, Brandon and I, and we hit it off immediately, and we've become pretty close friends, and our friendship is still developing. And then uh, I traveled to New York City in the spring with my uh, mother, uh, and that was always great. I've been to New York City six times, as I've said before, and each time... I just continue to fall in love with the city. It really is beautiful, ladies and gentlemen, and, and it's it's always an honor to be there. And then in August, I flew out to Michigan to uh, lay my uncle to rest on my dad's side of the family, and we had a memorial service for him, and I'll get to that in just a sec, um, more in depth, but I got to see a whole bunch of extended relatives, 
and folks I hadn't uh, seen in years. So it was really nice. And then uh, in terms of politics, obviously, if you've been following me, uh, you will see that Joshua Johnson, uh, Gabe Ikebani, and Adam Hill, and I, we initially founded American Watchmen in July, which is our uh, political website. And although and although we haven't done much admit, uh, admittedly yet, uh, because during the election, all our schedules got pretty hectic, we're uh, launching some pretty big projects, and I'm very excited to see where that organization goes. We've done some pretty cool things so far, but I think 2016, I, th- I mean, I think 2016 was a great start for us, and I think 2017 is going to be even better. So, all in all, folks, as I've said, 2016 was a pretty good year for me, so to speak. But yet, people say that on Facebook that this is the worst year ever. Well, I want to break down. I want to break this down a little bit and really examine why. That's simply not true, I don't think. Okay, so one of the things that people on Facebook have been talking a lot about is how all these celebrities and their childhood icons have passed away. So let's uh, let's examine that real quick, shall we? Yes, it's true that we had a ton of icons that passed away. In 2016, we had folks like David Bowie was the first one to pass away in January. Alan Rickman, the actor, passed away a few, uh, just a few days after David Bowie, in fact. We had uh, Glenn Fry from the Eagles. We had Prince. We had uh, Arnold Palmer. There, there were so many that passed away, folks. It, it really uh, is unbelievable. And then, of course, we had uh, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, and uh, George Michael. Now, the Carrie Fisher one was really the only one I really got uh, broken up about, just because uh, I'm an avid Star Wars fan, as most of you know, so... Carrie Fisher has always had a special place in my heart, and I was really just crushed when I heard that she passed away in the fashion that she did, and yet at the same time, I I was crushed for a day, but yet the day after, I I was fine, I I was okay, I, I don't... I don't really grieve for celebrities, folks, and that's my overall point is, yeah, I think all these celebrity deaths are sad, especially when people who are only in their 50s or early 60s pass away. I think that's the real tragedy of it, but I'm not one to worship celebrity culture, and in fact, uh, Joshua Johnson, my colleague, at American Watchmen actually uh, wrote an article about this a few weeks ago. 
how people, not just in America, but in the Western world, it seems, are so obsessed with celebrity culture that we tend to grieve celebrities more than we do our neighbor when they pass away, or our our family, or our friends when they pass away. And I think for a lot of people, that's, you know, unfortunately true. I think we do get wrapped up in celebrity um, culture a lot. As uh, one of my guests on the podcast, uh, Josh Lakesh, said uh, earlier this year, He said celebrities uh, are, at the end of the day, celebrities are people just like everyone else. They're mortal like everyone else. So obviously they're going to pass away like everyone else. And I I think we tend to forget that. uh, That celebrities are still mortal people. And although they've influenced our lives, you know, they're not exempt from the rule that everybody everybody dies. And some people, I think, do take celebrity culture a little bit too far. And uh, to say that 2016 was the worst year ever because of that is a little, it's a little extreme. Let me say that. Okay, now the other thing that people always say in regards to 2016 is, well, 2016 was the worst year ever because of the election and it was so controversial and it was so awful and Donald Trump became president of the, of the United States and we're, we're, we're now doomed. Well, I don't want to get too political here, folks, but... Hey, the the fact that Donald Trump won the election does not mean that the end of the world is near. We're not even close to the end of the world, I I think. So that really do, doesn't even count for anything. I I honestly don't even think that Donald Trump has that much power uh, to determine the end of the world or whether or not a year is crappy or not. That's what all of his uh critics on Facebook and social media seem to be saying. And uh if that's the case, well then uh kudos to him for having that much power. Uh actually if if he can sing singularly determine whether or not a year is crappy or not, well then gee, that's actually pretty damn amazing, if I do say so myself. Um, and I, I'm i being facetious here, and I'm being sarcastic, because obviously it's ridiculous. But I want to bring uh, some other perspective into this as well. So, prior to the election, the, the polls were all saying that Hillary Clinton was going to be the victor for the 2016 election, that Trump absolutely had no chance of pulling off his victory whatsoever. And honestly, folks, it, it 
it looks that way. I th- I think the I think the Vegas odds for Trump winning, if I'm not mistaken, they were like one to one thousand chances that he he would win. Okay, that's how low the odds were in Trump's favor, and yet he won, and. Prior to his victory, when it was still undetermined whether or not he would win, I had made a personal decision for myself that if Trump lost the election, which seemed pretty evident at the time that he would lose, I'm not going to let the election affect my life detrimentally. Yeah, I'll be disappointed, but Hillary is going to win, it seems, so... Yeah, I'll probably be disappointed, but the day after she wins, I'll just get up and do my thing and continue writing and continue recording podcasts and do my thing and continue promoting conservative values where I can. That was my mantra if Trump lost, and it's my mantra Still, you know, even though Trump has won, I'm not done yet. In fact, not only am I done, I'm just getting started. So, it's all perspective and it's all how you perceive things, I believe, ladies and gentlemen. And in regards to all the people saying that Trump's election is awful, that's what they say about every president, ladies and gentlemen. There are always people who are saying that, oh, Bush is going to be the worst president, or Obama is going to be the worst president, or XYZ is going to be the worst president. Fill in the blank with whoever it is. There are always going to be the naysayers. There are always going to be detractors. And yeah, I do think Obama was a pretty crappy president at the end of the day, but the world didn't blow up under his command. Uh... My life didn't change that drastically as a direct result of Obama's presidency. Uh, No one died that I personally know as a direct result of Obama. And so to all those people who are saying that Trump is the worst ever and that we can't possibly survive a Trump administration... You know, if you allow Trump to upset you that much, then I don't know what to tell you. Your life just kind of sucks, I guess. And that's unfortunate for you because I'm going to continue living my life and I'm not going to let it phase me. The other thing in regards to the, to the election that I thought of too, I, I was listening to Louis C.K., a stand-up comedian. And Louis has this brilliant bit of his uh, that he does. I can't find the audio, otherwise I would have played it here. But it's basically about how there's the rest of the world, there's the third world, and then there's the first world, which consists of America and Europe. And... 
the rest of the world is shitty, right? You have you have people who basically wake up every day wondering if they're going to die or not. You have people living in third world countries who can't really even get clean water or sanitary food or even food at all. Uh, they might be torn by uh, war or hunger or pop or poverty, and so they have real world problems. Um, here in America and the in the rest of the world, especially in kind of middle upper class society, our problems tend to be more. Uh, minute, and we tend to make problems up. I, I'm butchering the joke, but that's essentially what Louis says in his special, how our biggest problem in modern society seems to be the fact that our smartphones, which are basically pocket-sized computers, our smartphones don't hold enough battery life uh, in the day, that we get down to 20%, uh, you know, by the afternoon, and that that's, you know, probably people's biggest, you know, quote-unquote first world problem, um, you know, just a, a very minute thing, so, you know, Trump winning the election, you know, people always like to say, oh, that's, that's so bad, and, you know, America's sexist because Hillary Clinton didn't, didn't win. Uh, and kind of going off what we were saying, do you guys even realize how impressive it was that Hillary Clinton, a woman, could even be allowed to run for political office? I mean, that's amazing. That is a privilege. To be able to run for office. Most countries in the world. You know. They have monarchs. Or they have dictators. Or rulers. Who just decide what their government is going to be. And they really don't have any say in it at all. And if. They don't like their leaders. Well then. They get. They get ixnade, and for those of you who are watching this on Periscope, uh, you can see me kind of doing the uh, neck-slitting motion. So yeah, we are very blessed to live in a first-world society, and I'm personally blessed to live in the United States. Now, does that mean everything in the world is perfect? No, not at all. But... I certainly think that our problems pale in comparison to the rest of the world, and I'm blessed. Now, 2016 might not have been the, the worst year ever. In fact, as I said at the beginning of, of the podcast, it was a pretty damn good year for me. But 2015, for me personally, was actually a very crappy year due to the fact that my beloved uncle on my father's side of the family, the oldest 
my oldest uncle. He's my favorite. He was only 64 years old, and he passed away of liver failure due to alcoholism at the age of 64, a week before Christmas. And it devastated me, ladies and gentlemen. It tore my family apart emotionally, and it was really a struggle. That's what a crappy year is. Losing your favorite uncle. Losing a man who you would consider your second father. That's what a shitty year looks like. It's not celebrities dying. It's not your least favorite person winning the election. It's people in your personal lives passing away suddenly. That's what makes a crappy year. And yet, even 2015 was not that crappy of a year. On a grand scale, folks, I would have to say that the crappiest year ever in my life, on a grand scale, I'm not even talking about my life personally, but within my lifetime, rather, the worst year would have to be easily 2001. Because of the terror attacks on the World Trade Center on 9-11. Now, now I was six years old when that happened. I was in first grade. And I really, obviously at the time, I didn't understand the magnitude of what happened. uh, And how it would affect us. But if you think about it, 9-11 really was, you know, the event that made 2001 a shitty year. Over 3,000 Americans died. The internet and national economy was plunged into darkness, the likes of which I had never seen before. Thousands of millennials in New York City, my generation, lost their parents because of the World Trade Center attacks. Public transportation, as we know, changed. Air travel changed. National security changed. Two global wars against terrorism were started as a result of 9-11. The emergence of radical Islamic terrorism really became a prominent thing in the U.S. And... Globally, in fact, as well. 2001 changed the world forever and not in the best way because of 9-11. 15 years later, we're still dealing with the fallout from 9-11. There are still people who survived the world trade trade center attacks who are dealing with that trauma to this day. For them, that was the worst year ever. And it was the worst year for America ever. At least in my lifetime, it has been. So yeah, you want to talk about a a bad year? Look back to 2001. Okay, so that's my uh, end of the year 2016 special. As I said before, I really don't think 2016 was that bad of a year. 
I actually think it was pretty good for me personally. Um, I would like to hear your comments, what you guys think of this podcast. Also, whether or not you guys on Periscope, like what I was talking about today too, do you think I should do more live broadcasts or what? All right, folks, so I'm going to be doing a uh, New Year's podcast uh, in the new year, but I want to uh, take some time just to thank all of you for listening to Whitfield this year and for listening to the Whitfield analysis. It's been great fun to do this podcast. I want to thank the team at TapeWrite for hosting my podcast and for allowing me to be a part of the team. It's been fun. I can't wait to keep developing the platform. And folks, wherever you are, I want to wish you all a happy new year. God bless. And I'll see you in 2017. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your year. (laughs) 